Well, welcome back to his247.com where we share the latest messages from historic St. Philip United Methodist Church. And uh, as we begin today, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we bow before you at this time and we just thank you for seeing us through this week. And in the name of Jesus, we just pray that no weapon formed against us uh, will prosper, uh, nor shall our children go begging for bread. Father, we lift up those who need financial help at this time. We pray uh, for those who need healing. We pray for those who need freedom from worry and from abusive relationships. We pray that you would comfort those who have lost loved ones and those with broken hearts and spirits. Lord, we just magnify your name and praise you for all you've done and continue to do for us. May we remain covered under the precious blood of Jesus today and always, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, our scripture lesson this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this uh, on this Father's Day weekend, comes from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. We're going to be reading the 34th through the 39th verses. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemy will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word at this time. Now I must confess, this passage is one of my life scriptures. It's the one that the Lord brought to mind right after I was saved. You see, uh, I had come to the place where I wasn't sure there was even a God, but I wanted to know for sure. And so I cried out, said, God, if you're real, let me know. And then he let me know. And then one night, as I realized that all along I'd really believed in God and that the reason why I felt separated from God was because of the sin in my life, and I realized that I could not do anything to remove any of that sin from my life, but that the cross was lifted up as the way that God had arranged for my sin and your sin to be dealt with. Now, I didn't have a deep relationship with God in any way, I just had a whole lot of questions, but all of a sudden I realized that I was separated from the God that I knew was there, 
and there was nothing I could do about it. And then I remembered that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I didn't know what else to do, and so I just cried out and I said, Jesus, help me. And all of a sudden, Jesus was right there in the room with me. And he let me know, not just that he was real, but that he had forgiven me and made a way for me to be forgiven. That he had hung on the cross and paid the price for everything that I had ever done that I knew was wrong. And not just for me, but for everyone in the whole world. And I felt a love and a presence that I had never felt before in my life. And I knew I wanted to be in his presence forever. And I asked him, what do you want me to do with my life? And this was 45 years ago. He said, you ought to be a preacher. And I had not thought about ever doing that. I was successful in the business world, but my first reaction was, I, I said, but what about my wife? What about my wife? And that's when he brought this scripture to mind. Whoever, puts, whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, I decided at that time that I needed to do what the one who had truly given me life wanted me to do. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to leave her up to you. And then I was able to go to sleep that night. The next night, I discovered that God had already made a way. He had already uh, had a discussion with my wife and had prepared her for a big change in our life and for the fact that I was going to be going into the ministry. And so uh, we have followed him together uh, in ministry from that point on. And the thing is, I have discovered that you can't be a good father unless you value your heavenly father more than your children. You can't be a good husband until you love the Lord your God more than you love your wife. You can't be a good wife unless you put God above your spouse, your husband. And so uh, on this Father's Day weekend, I lift up this passage to you, and in it we find just the crux of the Christian faith. You see, when Jesus was asked, what is the first and great commandment? He replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, he said, this is the great and first commandment. And it's found in Matthew 22, 37 through 38. The other gospels say, 
and all your strength. So loving God with all your heart and all you are is the first and greatest command from Jesus. And then in Matthew 10, 37, we read, he says that whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And then he adds, whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So now you have two powerful, deep, life-transforming commands. Love God the Father with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love Jesus more than you love your children, more than you love your parents, more than you love anything or anyone. And today I want us to dig into four questions that I think will really help us understand what life in Christ and in the kingdom of God is all about. The first question is, is there a connection between loving God and loving Jesus? And then the next, what is this love like that Jesus talks about here? And then, where does this love come from? How do you get to be this way? How do you wind up with this kind of love, this powerful love? And then, more than anything else, how important is it? First, what is the relationship between loving God and loving Jesus? I've had many people say to me, what's the big deal? And they say, I've, well, I've actually had church members uh, in the past ask me, God, Jesus, Moses, Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, Buddha, Allah, they're all the same thing, aren't they? They were asking me that question over 20 years ago. Now, in light of the tremendous emphasis on Islam and other religions today, for that matter, this is something we really need to get nailed down in our hearts. One big issue, one that has been growing bigger and bigger in uh, this multicultural world that we find ourselves in the United States uh, in today, uh, where lots of religions are all around us, we hear, don't we all worship the same God? You go through Jesus, I go through another prophet. I've had people ask me, oh, come on, preacher, where aren't we all trying to get to the same place? And the thing is, and I've shared this in other sermons, no, I'm not trying to get there. I have a reservation. My Lord made it for me many, many years ago. He has a place waiting for me. He promised. When uh, I was asked to do the invocation at a college graduation a few years ago, the president of the college said, just pray to God. Don't mention Jesus and everything will be just fine. Now, I had to decline that invitation because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I don't serve a generic God. I serve the one true God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus looked right into the eyes of the Pharisees, 
the Jewish leaders and said, if God were your father, you would love me. He is saying to the most religious, the most God-oriented, Old Testament-saturated people on the planet, you do not know him. He is not your father. In fact, he goes uh, so far as to say that they are of their father, the devil. Now, that's mind-boggling. You see, according to Jesus, the litmus test for knowing whether somebody is a lover of God or not is this. Do they love Jesus? Do they recognize him for who he is? Do they embrace Jesus for who he really is? Not just some human teacher, not just some prophet alongside other prophets, but as the very only begotten Son of the living God. In John 5, 42 and 43, Jesus says to those same leaders, I know you don't have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you don't receive me. Now, do you see the implication here? He's saying, you don't have the love of God in you. And then he says, you know, basically, how do I know that? And he says, because you don't receive me. So if I'm dealing with a Muslim person who says, I worship the true God just like you worship the true God, Jesus would say, you don't even know the true God if you don't receive the Son of God. So here's the answer to the question, what is the relationship between loving God and loving Jesus? The answer is simply, you cannot have one without the other. Loving Jesus is the test of whether or not you love God. Loving God is the test of whether you truly love Jesus. Next, I want us to look at the, the nature of this love, the character of this love. Is this love mainly doing what Jesus said, or is it uh, deeper and connected with the heart to our feelings? He says, if you love mother or father more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. That means he's thinking of your love for Jesus like he thinks of your love for your children and your parents. Now, how many of you would say, if you stop and think about it, that obeying your children is loving your children? Just imagine what an upside-down world this would be if that were the case. That's not what loving your children is all about, is it? They are your treasure. You would die for your children. They are precious to you. You would not sell them for billions and billions of dollars. No, you wouldn't trade your children for anything. They're your treasure. Well, that's what Jesus is saying in our passage today. If Jesus isn't a better treasure, a higher treasure, a more valuable treasure than your children, you're not worthy of Jesus. 
in an ethics class in seminary a long, long time ago, sad to say, the argument was made that the love of God commands us to have either for him or for our neighbor. Uh, well, let's say, let me put it this way. The argument was made that the love of God that he commands us to have, either for him or for our neighbor, cannot be an emotion or an affection because it's commanded and you can't command the emotions. He's, they, they were saying, you can't command feelings. And at the time, I bought that. But since then, however, I've discovered that this is not right. And the reason it's not right is because premise number one of this uh, particular proposal is false. Of course, Jesus commands emotions. The Bible is filled with commands of the emotions. It says we should fear, that we should be thankful, that we should be compassionate, that we should be earnest, that we should be uh, people of hope. All of these are emotions. Of course, God has the right to command our emotions. The fact that we're so corrupt and so dead that we can't have the right emotion isn't God's problem. It's our problem. It's our corruption. In counseling courses I'd learned later, or I took later, I learned that our emotions are gifts from God. Even negative emotions are a gift because they let us know when things are right or wrong. Our real problems aren't with our emotions. They're with what we believe. Our belief system determines our feelings. And we all, let's face it, have corrupted belief systems, and that's why we have to be born again. Now, I want to dig into this a little deeper still. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And some people take this and they would say, See, it says so right there. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so you see, loving Jesus is obeying Jesus. It's not feeling any particular thing for Jesus. It's just doing what he said. Well, the thing is, that's not what they just said. That's not what Jesus said. He says, if you love me, then you will do this other thing called keeping my commandments. Loving Jesus is a deep and foundational uh, thing and it's transformative because you treasure him above all things. And then because of that love, that treasuring of him, you want to do what he commands. So the nature of this love, yes, it includes obedience, but it is not less than being transformed by a love for him treasuring, admiring, delighting in, being satisfied by this most beautiful treasure of all. The nature of all love is, uh, as the Apostle Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. The surpassing worth 
the treasure of knowing, the value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That comes first. Now, where does this love come from? How, how do we get it? Do you remember the story about the Pharisee who asked Jesus to come to dinner in Luke 7? He didn't wash Jesus' feet. He didn't kiss Jesus. He didn't do anything to show affection for Jesus. And suddenly there's this woman of the street, this prostitute leaning over Jesus' bare feet, weeping, and the tears are falling on his dirty feet. And she's taking her hair and she's washing Jesus' feet. And the Pharisee is just totally bent out of shape and says, if you're a prophet, you would know what kind of woman this is, for she's a sinner. And so, in response, Jesus tells the Pharisee a story. He said, a man had two debtors. One owed him $5,000. One owed him $5. And he forgave them both. So who do you think will love him more? And the Pharisee said, well, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says, you have judged rightly. He says, when I came in here, you didn't kiss me, you didn't wash my feet, but from the time I came in, she has wept over my feet. She's washed them with her tears. She's wiped them with her hair because she has been forgiven much. So where does love come from? It comes from being stunned by being loved by God. This love comes from being overwhelmed by the person of Jesus dying on our behalf and rising again, though we have no merit at all for it in ourselves. When that grips you, then you will taste what it is to treasure Jesus, to delight in Jesus, and to be satisfied in Jesus. You will have life and have it abundantly, and he will be your greatest treasure in life. So why is this important? Jesus says, if you don't love me more than you love your parents, you're not worthy of me. If you don't love me more than your children, you're not worthy of me. So what does it mean not to be worthy of him? It means you won't have him. If you don't love him, you won't have Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. What Jesus demands from us is not most deeply and most fundamentally decisions of the will. That will come later. Deeply and most fundamentally, Christianity is a new birth, a deep, profound transformation of what we treasure, what we love. And if that deepest, 
fullest love isn't for Jesus, then we're not worthy of Jesus. And being worthy of Jesus doesn't mean deserving him. It means being made suitable by his precious blood as a redeemed, forgiven person to be in his presence. He has made the way. We can never make the way. And whenever we realize that and we receive the life that he has to offer, he becomes your supreme treasure. When he is your supreme treasure, you belong with him and he will be with you. Now, let me close with this. This is where the litmus test comes to many Americans today. Maybe it's already come for you. There will come a time in your life, and there will come many times in your life, actually, when you know what the Lord wants you to do, and it's in conflict with what your loved one wants you to do. When faced with this, which way do you go? Do you follow your loved one or do you follow the Lord? This is the litmus test. You see, who you choose determines who you love the most, who you value the most. And it's not a matter of saying, oh, God will forgive me if I do that. It's not a matter of legalistic getting forgiveness for our sin. It's a matter of desiring to please the one that we love and a matter of knowing that his way is going to be the best way, not just for you, but also for the one that you do love. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, there may be some of you who all of a sudden you have been pricked in your heart and you realize that you have been making wrong choices, that you have in the past, maybe at some crucial point, at some very important point, chose your parents, chose your children, chose your spouse over the Lord. If you've done that, then you know that you're not as close to him as you could be. But let me tell you this. He's just waiting. He is waiting for you to come home. Forgetting what lies behind, he says, we can look forward and we can press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And all you have to do is repent and say, I realize now I did wrong.
And Lord, from this moment on, I want to do what's right. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all of those who are feeling pressure right now from loved ones. Pressure to not really follow you the way that they should. Some of them may be feeling pressure that, uh, that, that, that it's, it's going to be very, very costly to them if they truly follow you the way that, they, that you know that, uh, uh, that, 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 that the Lord wants you to follow him. And Lord, I just pray for them. And I pray, Lord, that you will give them peace, knowing that following you is the right thing to do. That doing what you have called them to do is the way that you show you that they love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.